Welcome to the Get Your Goat Podcast. This is your host, Josh, here, joined by my brother, Luca. What's up? Nothing. It's good to be back. Good to have you back, Luca. As we have been discussing in this podcast, I've given you my top 10 quarterbacks entering 2021. I've given you my top 10 running backs. Today, I'm going to give you my top 10 wide receivers joined here by Luca. Have our dif- differentiating lists. We're going to talk about this epic Bucks Sun series, which looks like now it's destined for a game seven. A brilliant performance. We will get into all that, unpacking it from last night, and who has the edge in the next three games. Also, get into the only baseball game on tonight, back from the All Star break, the Red Sox and the Yankees, and then my prediction for who wins the final major of the golf season in the Open Championship. So let's get started with our top 10 wide receivers. Me and Luke are going to alternate going down from number 10 to number 1 and give our reason for why, and then at the end we will recap and state our number 10 to 1 again. So Luca, our top 10 wide receivers, who do you have at number 10 entering the 2021 season. I have Mike Evans as number 10. Why is he number 10? Um, If it weren't for his touchdowns, I don't think he would be in this top 10 at all. But just because he was 4th in touchdowns, that makes him top 10. But he was only 18th in passing yards. But then again, they do have other weapons on that team they can go to, like Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. So I think he deserves the number 10 spot. All right. My number 10 is Allen Robinson, wide receiver of the Chicago Bears. And it's funny because I just had him in my fantasy team. Did really good for me. And I thought, you know, this guy has been in the league, you know, two, three years with the Bears. Until I looked him up and I didn't even realize he was on the Jacksonville Jaguars for four years before this, so he's been in the league already for seven seasons and has quietly put up some really good numbers. Last year with Chicago, and remember, they had Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles alternating at quarterback. Uh, He uh, caught 100 uh, balls for over 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, uh, complete catch percentage of 68 when he was targeted, So that is really good. But before that, again with Chicago and their quarterback situation, another 1,000-yard season. And I think the reason he was kind of off the radar is because he had two kind of injury-plague seasons. His last year in Jacksonville was first in Chicago. But he's been selected to the Pro Bowl when he was on Jacksonville when he had another 1,000-yard campaign. So he is really good. But now this year, he might have a real quarterback in Justin Fields. Uh, he was tied last year for the most contested catches and posted a 1% drop rate, the third best amongst wide receivers targeted last year. So he is really good, and the Bears are lucky to have him going into this season, so he's number 10 for me. Number 9, Luca, who do you have? Um, at number nine, I have Allen Robinson, and I think you pretty much 
explained all the reasons why. All right. So Allen Robinson for Luca is number nine. My number nine is DK Metcalf. Why is he number nine? This year, he got off to a very, very hot start, leading the league in receptions, leading the league in wide receivers. Russell Wilson was the MVP. It was all looking good. And I think he was leading all that through the first 10 games. He had 1,000 yards. And in the last six games, only had 300 yards to average out for only 1,300 when he was kind of on pace for this big record-setting season. And he faltered. I'm not going to give it his much blame. I'm going to give that to more Russell and Coach uh, Pete Carroll for the way they did it. But selected to the Pro Bowl his first time in his young career, only two years, was really good. Ten touchdowns as well. And he did improve on his drop passes because the year before uh, he was kind of tied for most his rookie season for most drops. But this guy is huge at a wide receiver, six foot four, two hundred thirty pounds or whatever it may be. His speed is ridiculous uh, as well. Runs like a two three. But in the two years he's had in the NFL, uh, his contested catches are high, broken tackles, because this man can play the game of football and. The more they rely on him and Russell Wilson in Seattle, the better it will be for them, which is why he is number nine entering this season, coming in, also eyeing a big contract as well, which helps out receivers in terms of motivation. Luca, who's your number eight? My number eight, I have Calvin Ridley. He did really good this season, Had was fifth in re- receiving yards, had nine touchdowns and 90 receptions. Did really good. I think he deserves this spot. Calvin Ridley. I'll give you that one. He's not on my top ten, but that's not a bad choice. My number eight is Chris Godwin. Missed four games this year. But he still put up 840 yards in the 12 games that he played and seven touchdowns season before selected to the Pro Bowl. Had over 1,000 yards and he still missed games, nine touchdowns. This guy, to me, has the potential to be a legitimate top five wide receiver in this league. Uh, Was a third-round pick back in 2017. But his route running is insane. Not the fastest wide receiver, but his route running, his catching ability is second to none. That's how good he is. The only knock on him and why he isn't higher is because he has a hard time staying on the field. The past two seasons have kind of been dealt with injuries to where it's kind of these freak things to his finger or something like that, to where he can't play and he's pins and screws in his hands, uh, which might help him out. might help him out catching if he has robotic hands. But he nonetheless, he misses games, and that's why he's not higher on this list, even though he's a great wide receiver. Going down to number seven, 
Luca, who do you have? I have Michael Thomas, even though he only played like three games or whatever this season. I think he's going to be really good this upcoming season and could win Comeback Player of the Year. Comeback Player of the Year. I like it. You and me also think alike because Michael Thomas is as well my seventh ranked receiver. And like you said, only played, what, five games, maybe counting the playoffs this year. Only 438 yards, not even a receiving touchdown this year. You might be thinking, Josh, why is he in the top 10 at number 7? Well, if you look at what he's done before this season, his Twitter handle at Can't Guard Mike, he has lived up to that. 2019 was selected to a Pro Bowl, was first team all pro. Broke the record for most receptions in a season at 149 and had 1,700 yards, a league high, 1,700 yards, nine touchdowns. All pro this season before Pro Bowl. Again, league high receptions of 125, over 1,400 yards. Pro Bowl before that, 1,200 yards. So, You get what I'm getting at here. Perennial Pro Bowler, perennial All-Pro wide receiver. Because, again, his route running, to me, is the best. He is the best route runner in the NFL. Uh, His 1.93 yards route per run is amazing. He can win 50-50 balls as well. Deceptively fast. Michael Thomas can do it all. The only reason, like Lucas says, is because he's not higher. Because I'd probably have him in my top five. But entering this year, he did have this past injury. Which injuries always scare me in terms of ranking. And he also has a new quarterback. His greatness was when he had the great Drew Brees with him at quarterback. Drew Brees is no longer there. He's got Jameis Crableg Winston. At quarterback, that's who he has. Maybe Taysom Hill, the utility quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive lineman, use Taysom Hill for everything there. So I do not have a lot of faith in this team. They also don't have a second wide receiver as well. So it's difficult for me because I love myself some Michael Thomas, but this year is going to be a very telling year. For Michael Thomas in this Saints team. I hope he has a bounce back season. But the road ahead is tough for him. Luca, moving on to number six. Who do you got? I have Justin Jefferson at number six. He was fourth in receiving yards. He was... He could be higher on this list if he had a little bit more touchdowns. But obviously, Adam Thielen was on that team too. He had a little bit of an injury, and Kirk Cousins isn't the best running back or quarterback, so he could be higher on this list. But for now, I have him at number six. Do you know how many targets Justin Jefferson had? Just asking. Do you know or no? Um, no, I do not. Uh, what what is this number six? Yeah, I feel like that's a little high for Justin Jefferson. He's a rookie. I'm not that high on rookies, but you do you, Luca. I'll give you that one. Uh, is he good? Sure. 
Okay. But I'll go with my number, my number five, or my number six, who is Julio Jones. This guy has been around the block for a while, 32 years old. Last year, only played in nine games, has 771 yards. So he played in about half the games. So if you were to play in the other half, you could guess that he'd probably have around 1,400 yards, which is on par with basically every season that Julio's ever had in the existence of his NFL career. People forget how good Julio is. They look at this one year and his little minor injury of turf toe or whatever it was, and they say he's washed, he's old, he's done. But when you take a look at the past numbers, you just come to appreciate the greatness associated with the name Julio Jones. Because even when he's healthy, 1,400 yards, Pro Bowl, 1,700 yards, league high, Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, 1,400 yards, Pro Bowl, 1,400 yards, Pro Bowl, 1,900 yards, all pro, all pro. 1,600 yards Pro Bowl, 1,200 yards Pro Bowl. Do you see where I'm getting at here? Another perennial all-pro Pro Bowl receiver. Julio Jones is that guy. He is. I don't care what the age tells you. I don't care what it is. Matt Ryan, to me, is not a world beater. Not a top 10 quarterback. He did win the MVP in... 2017 or 16 or whenever it was, and had a really good season. He did. Uh, So Julio Jones did benefit from that. But Matt Ryan did a lot of benefit because he had Julio Jones, who is an absolute beast. Uh, Average 2.6 yards per route run. uh, 35% of his targets and catches were 15 Plus yard gains. This guy is a big playmaker for wide receiver. He makes plays for a living. So when you now pair him with Ryan Tannehill and A.J. Brown, who would probably be number 11 on my list or so, uh, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a healthy all-pro guy who is not past his prime, who is maybe teetering on the end of his prime, but he's still there, I believe, going to give you another 1,400-yard receiving. Yes, they run the ball with Derrick Henry, but they got Julio Jones now and A.J. Brown to throw the ball to. This offense is going to be special next year. How special? That remains to be seen. But don't discredit Julio in the work that he has done. All right, Luca. Who's your number five and why? At number five, I have DK Metcalf. Yeah, as you said, seventh in um, receiving yards and eighth in touchdowns. But he, I feel like he could be higher on this list if because every game it feels like for the Seahawks, it either all goes to DK or all goes to Tyler. So if a little bit more games would have gone to DK, I feel like he could have been number four or three on this list. But for now, I have him at number five. Number three or four on your list. That's quite interesting. Uh, 
that you say that not concerned about some of the drops that he's had in his past or anything like that doesn't have too much drops doesn't have too much drops he says quote from Luca doesn't have too much drops well I'm going to go to a wide receiver who rarely drops the football at number five it has a record as well for number five I don't think DK has any records uh, but, and DK will never touch this record as well because he didn't have a thousand receiving yards in his first season. And that receiver is the great Mike Evans at number five. Luca, you had him severely underrated at number 10, just cracking in at number 10. But Mike Evans is a terrific wide receiver who to me is top five and has proved it year in and year out. Luca this year he had Tom Brady at quarterback. Tom Brady at quarterback. I want to say it one more time to you. Tom Brady at quarterback. And you know what's funny? He wasn't selected to the Pro Bowl. Played all 16 games. But had in his first ever season with the Bucks and in his NFL career, had his lowest targets, second lowest receptions, and put up his lowest yards and reached 1,006. Had a career-high 13 touchdowns, red zone threat right there because he's that good. So he didn't do that. Luca, who was the quarterback there before Tom Brady at Tampa Bay? Um, Winston. Jameis Winston. The 30 for 30. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions. We love to see it. But with Jameis Winston, he went to three Pro Bowls in 2016, 2018, 2019. In every year he has played in the NFL, he has had 1,000-yard seasons. He's the only wide receiver in NFL history to have seven straight 1,000-yard seasons from start to finish, from your rookie season to your seventh season, have 1,000 yards receiving. He is the only one in the history of the NFL to do that. He's had 61 total touchdowns in his career, racked up over 8,000 yards as well, yards per target, is around nine. That's around a first down every single time he touches the ball. Mike Evans is a legitimate beast who has turned now into a red zone threat. Tom Brady's favorite target in there. One year, uh, 15 plus yard receptions. His 231 receptions since coming into the league only trail Julio Jones, who was just there at six, and he's a big back too with speed at six foot four. Fourth most catches and receiving yards uh, in contested scenarios. This guy is a baller, a wide receiver. He is really, really good. Doesn't get the respect he deserves since Tom Brady now throws the ball around to everybody. But he is right there. Mike Evans is my number five. Now getting into number four, Luca, who was your number four? 
At number four, I have Stephon Diggs. He is obviously first in receiving yards and first in receptions. And I feel like I want to put him higher, but I feel like this is the spot he deserves for now. Just having one good year and no really other weapons on offense. You're telling me Stephon Diggs has only had one good year? No. It's just that this is one like where he's like had first of everything, almost. Alright. I like it. This is also a tough one for me. Whether it's at four or three. Uh, but at number four, I'm switching it up here, throwing a curveball. I'm putting Tyreek Hill at number four. I love myself some Tyreek Hill. But you know what plays in my mind every time I think about Tyreek Hill? You know what just etched in my memory? You look at him, and you look at those two all pros that he has. And you know what my good friend Jalen Ramsey said? He has two all pros. As a punt returner, as a kick returner, that's where you see those all pros from. Now, yes, he made the all pro this past season. His first is a wide receiver. And it wasn't even his best wide receiver season uh, as well. And the thing that makes him so good is his route running has grown as a player. It's really good, but to me... Everybody in my top 10, everybody runs better routes than Tyreek Hill. Uh, the reason why Tyreek Hill is so good is because he's now developed his hands and can catch the football, and he's the fastest player in the NFL. So when you're able to consistently beat uh, everybody on the defensive side, it definitely you know, makes it hard to do that uh, when you're just that fast, that quick, that nimble, and he's really just so important to the Chiefs offense this year. Like I said, selected as all pro, you know, over a thousand yards, 15 touchdowns, uh, just insane how fast he is, what he can do. Uh, two seasons ago, he was at 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh, he is another big play maker. He is the deep threat of deep threats when he's in the game. Uh, 56 receptions, 2,240 yards, 20 touchdowns, all on targets of over 20 yards, which constitute a deep pass. Uh, And he's just so good. And mind you, they have Travis Kelsey on the same team as well. But this Patrick Mahomes do well with Tyreek Hill, I believe, elevates him but Tyreek Hill is just so electric so fun to watch whether it is just a bubble screen or it is a deep pass you have to account for Tyreek Hill on the field Luca who's your number three at number three I have Tyreek Hill and I feel like you pretty much explained all the details with all of his receptions and touchdowns and him having the best quarterback in the league and having Travis Kelsey, even though he could be higher if he would cut targeted more. I like it. So why do you give the edge to Tyreek Hill over Stephon Diggs? Um, because he is a lot faster. 
and I feel like speed means a lot in the NFL by being able to dust somebody to get that to be open. And he has good hands, even though probably not as good as Stephon Diggs. Still pretty good. A lot of touchdowns. Yeah, I like it. I'm going to go the other reason, and I got Stefan at four, which is flopped with Luca the three and four, so Stefan Diggs is my number three. And yes, to me, he's a better route runner. Like you said, Tyreek has better speed. But to me, better hands also goes to Stefan. What was that one commercial with Stefan, and he had the trash can, and he just couldn't release it when he was trying to pull up the trash can to his house because everything sticks to his hand. Luca, I thought the Minneapolis Miracle was one of your favorite plays of all time. Is it so? I did like that play a lot. I was rooting for them in that game. Exactly. I can't believe he is this high because I was rooting for the Saints. I couldn't believe the Saints defender basically fell down and tried to tackle his legs when the ball wasn't even caught there yet, and Stefan Diggs walked up to the end zone. The only reason he is high on my list is because he's now on the Buffalo Bills, or else he'd probably be lower uh, than that Minneapolis Miracle, which is another memory I liked out of my brain forever. But this year, like Lucas said, league high in receptions, 127. League and career high, 1,535 passing yards. Had eight touchdowns. His route running was great. Josh Allen took that next step, and he was only able to take that next step because he had Stephon Diggs. That means that Stephon Diggs is really good, selected to the Pro Bowl and All-Pro, but he also had good receiving seasons before with con artist Kirk Cousins, with Adam Thielen in Minnesota, where he had you know back-to-back 1,000 receiving yards in Minnesota before he's now had three consecutive 1,000-plus yard campaigns. Stefan Diggs can do it all. One of four receivers with a receiving rate at 90. His 60% catch rate is also very high, second best in the league among contested catches. So he's doing it all. He's helping his team win as well. And that's what makes him so potent and means so much to this team. That's why he's number three. Luca, we're getting down to our top two. Who is number two on your list? At number two, I have DeAndre Hopkins. He was third in receiving yards and tied for second in receptions. And how could anyone forget the Hail Murray play that he had, that I believe one play of the year? So I think that he deserves to be number two on this list. I agree with you, Luca. I was trying to find a way to have him be number one, but my number one is undisputed. So DeAndre Hopkins is also my number two wide receiver. Whenever there's a change of scenery like you have, you wonder, how is this going to work? He just had Deshaun Watson, brilliant quarterback, going through some issues now. But he had three straight from 2019 to 2017 to 2019. Three straight Pro Bowl selections, three straight All-Pros with career uh, league-high touchdown catches at 13 with 1,400 yards, 1,600 yards, 11 touchdowns, 1,200 yards, 7 touchdowns, and even this year a Pro Bowl and 1,400 yards and 6 touchdowns starting every game, making Kyler Murray look really good 
better than what he actually is. Luca mentioned the Hail Mary. Was that an all right throw? Yeah, it was all right. Was he triple covered? Yeah, but that's DeAndre Hopkins. That's why you have the trust. DeAndre Hopkins makes Kyler Murray look better. Kyler Murray really wasn't that good last year. But then he got, this year he got DeAndre Hopkins and took a step forward because he had one of the best wide receivers in the game. That's what that will do for you. Uh, And he is just, to me, right there in his prime right now with Julio Jones as well. Tied for most broken tackles at wide receiver. His drop rate, 0.9, is tied for the lowest mark in the NFL. That is just ridiculous while making contested catches uh, as well. DeAndre Hopkins is a legitimate superstar at wide receiver. One of the best, arguably the best. I'd be fine if he was at number one, but for me, he is not. But Luka, getting down to our number one. Who was yours? If this isn't anyone's number one, then I don't know what to tell you. Because Devontae Adams was first in touchdowns, tied for second in receptions, and tied for fifth in yards. So, there's really not much to say except for he's amazing and he fully deserves the number one spot. So, let's say there was an MVP for wide receivers... And you had to give a bunch of votes out to your top five. Would Devontae Adams always get every first place vote? Or would you give some first place votes to your other wide receivers in your top five? I think there would be a few Hopkins and a few Diggs. But like 90% of them would be Devontae. Alright, so he's not undisputed. That's what I wanted to get up there. And I agree. Yeah, I know. But Devontae is my number one. Uh, This year, he was brilliant. His quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, was his best season as well. It was Devontae Adams' best season as well. Pro Bowl, all pro for Devontae, 1,400 yards. 18 touchdowns was a league in career high. Yards per game at about 100. Only played 14, missed two because of an injury. His quarterback was league MVP. So I see the correlation there that he had Aaron Rodgers there, but he's had Aaron Rodgers the past four years, four straight Pro Bowl selections, 1,400 yards and 18. He's only eclipsed 1,000 yards twice in his career, uh, which to me, you know, you have that debate of Devontae or DeAndre, because to me DeAndre is just a beast. Well, Devontae is just quick both laterally and deep. His route running is right there to me, up there with Michael Thomas as the best. Uh, putting Jalen Ramsey on skates in the playoff game, making him cry over there. Uh, Devontae is so good. But Luca, let me ask you this because we both had Devontae super high. We're both high on Devontae. If Aaron Rodgers was not his quarterback... Do you think he'd still be your number one wide receiver in the NFL? Um, no. Where do you think he would be in relation to your top ten? Um, probably like seven. Seven? Yeah. All right. So, 
We have our top 10. We gave it to you. We're going to restate it real quick. But Luca, there's so many wide receivers in this league. It's hard to nail down 10 because to me, wide receivers probably has the best type of position when you look at it. The best players are there when you look at it. In terms of, for me, it's harder to give you my top 10 wide receivers than to give you my top 10 quarterbacks or running backs because there's more. So, Luca, is there one or two wide receivers that just missed your cut that you think could be there next year or in the future? Um, I think, obviously, Julio Jones just because he had his bad year, so that's one. You mean his injury year? Yes. I think he could definitely be there. And then for number two... I'd say, like, it's a tie for, like, A.J. Brown, Tyler Lockett, and, like, Godwin. Okay. My two would probably be A.J. Brown and Justin Jefferson. Those would be my two. They just missed out. But they're young. They're doing it. So, Luca, just give me your top ten real quick from ten to one. Ten, Mike Evans. Nine, Allen Robinson. Eight Calvin Ridley, seven Justin T- or Michael Thomas, six Justin Jefferson, five DK Metcalf, four Stephon Diggs, three Tyreek Hill, two Hopkins, and one Devontae Adams. I like it. My top ten is Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, and. Devontae Adams. So those are our top 10s. Now moving on to the NBA. Luca, I know you're upset. No, you're upset. The Bucks have evened up this series to make it 2-2 last night. What did you see? What did you learn from both teams? And was this more good Bucks or bad sons in this loss or win for the Bucks? Um, I think this was definitely bad sons. They were not good at all from three point range. Chris Paul and Booker were both 0 for 2 and 0 for 3. Dre Crowder took too many shots, missing them, going 3 for 9 and 3 for 10. Devin Booker was good from the field, though, with 17 for 28. And then there's Cam Johnson's been doing good the past few games, shooting basically 50%. Cameron Payne's doing all right. And then for the Bucks, I don't even know how P.J. Tucker is a starter at this point. He never makes shots 0 for 1 from the field, 0 for 1 from 3. He hasn't been doing good at all these past few games. Giannis, I don't even know why he attempts threes. 0 for 2, and then obviously it's easy to get points from the field when you're 7 foot. And then Middleton, he was good from the field, but from 3 point, he did alright, I guess. And then Lopez, 0 for 5, Holiday needs to relearn how to shoot a ball, because he went 4 for 20 and 0 for 5. And then Portis is horrible. One for six. I think both of these teams played bad. It was just because of Chris Paul and his turnovers and his horrible field percentage. This was good bucks. This was good bucks ridden all 
over it. Was it great Bucks? No. But it was more good Bucks than bad Suns. Who had the most points in this game? Devin Booker had 42 points. 17 of 28 took the most shots by far for his team. But as Lucas said, did it make a three-point shot? I think he is coming back down to earth. 34% career three-point shooter. It's going back down in the playoffs. 0% last night. That's what I like to see. Get back down there to where you belong, Devin Booker. Don't you win. He ain't Kobe Bryant. It's the first two games, Suns win. It's Kobe Bryant is now from heaven giving him his will and knowledge of the game. And Devin Booker is Kobe Bryant. He is there. CP3 is the second best point guard this game has ever seen. The the status has been cemented. But my, 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 how the tables have turned the past two games to where pump the brakes on Devin Booker. This is the usual Chris Paul we see. This is the usual Giannis we see. A walking double-double. 26 points and 14 rebounds. Aggressive. Chris Middleton playing great like the second superstar on this team that he should be playing at. A 40 points, almost at 50% from the field. As Lucas says, P.J. Tucker is a disgrace offensively to this team, but Dante DiVincenzo is out, so P.J. Tucker is the starter. But he is relied on to play defense. Did he get cooked by Devin Booker last night a lot? Yes, but he tries his best. He runs around the court. Drew Holiday doesn't didn't do good offensively, as Luca brought out, but... His defense on Chris Paul, tremendous, limited him to 10 points, 5 of 13. Got in his head, got up in his grill, played aggressive. That's what I wanted to see. If you can eliminate one of Chris Paul or Devin Booker, you're going to win the game. If they both go off, it's game over. But if you eliminate one of them, you win. Last game eliminated was Devin Booker. This game was Chris Paul. Drew Holiday is putting on a defensive clinic on how to stop Chris Paul. Getting in his head, forcing these turnovers. Chris Paul, I guess, also last night, that almost last possession that he had the turnover. Guess he forgot to switch over to Cliff, Cliff, Chris Paul, because that was Cliff Paul dribbling the ball last night. Forget, think they forgot to do the switch, and Chris Paul was the one with the State Farm, Jake from State Farm, and Cliff Paul was playing basketball last night. Because he was also building bricks with his shots. Him and Ben Simmons uh, should start raising more money. Because it was quite pathetic. But this Bucks team was better every way other than shooting the basketball last night. Uh, out-rebounded them. 17 offensive rebounds to 5. Plus 12 for the Bucks. Uh, that just can't happen. The better ball uh, movement. The turnovers were 17 to 5. That's another plus 12. More points in the paint. This was just, you know, domination off the court or off the advanced stats fit. You look at the Bucks, and they were really good. Giannis, he plays harder than anyone on the court. He runs faster than anybody on the court. He's more aggressive. The block on Aiton was hit one of the best. He did not hit his hand. It was. Uh, to me, it was more of a bad pass, too, 
because he didn't get it up high enough, and Giannis said, that's cash money. I'm going to take that from you, sir. And he got all ball. And that was a huge game. Was it Luca? was that block? I've been reading this. Are any of his blocks that he's had in this series better than LeBron's block? All of them Utah? have been so fake and wannabe LeBron blocks. That pass block he had, it was like half ball, half hand. He like slid off the ball and he hit his hand back. And then the other one was clearly a goaltend. It was literally rolling into the hoop. No hands on it. It was falling in. And then he just swatted it outside. That is the most clear goaltend I've ever seen in my life. And they didn't call it. He's nowhere near LeBron's level. I agree. He's nowhere near LeBron's level. Those blocks were not LeBron-esque. But he has shown that he wants to win this NBA final. So now we've got ourselves a series. It's 2-2. I said Bucks and 6. Should I stand by that? I don't know, but we are getting a game six, which will go to Tuesday night. So, Luca, who has the edge in this best of three? There's three more games left. You said Suns and five. That automatically can't happen. So, what are you changing your series to? What do you think is going to happen these next three games? I think it's going to be Suns and seven. I think the home team is going to win every single game. I think since Booker did good this game, and Chris Paul did good the past game, I think they're going to come together to destroy the Bucks in the next game. Since I think they care more about the fans than the Bucks do. And I think they'll take this one. The next game will be really close, like how this one is. But I feel like they'll end up losing that, and then it will be a blowout in Game 7. So you have this... Alright, so Suns-Bucks Game 5 is this Saturday night. Did you say you have the Suns winning big this game? Or um, close. Yeah, it's gonna. It's not. It's gonna be. I feel like they're gonna win by around like fifteen points. Okay, Luca. I said Bucks and six. My heart is telling me Bucks and six to stay with it. My brain's telling me Bucks and seven after what I've seen from a series. But I'm gonna say Bucks and six, just for the prediction that I would be right. And I think the Bucks have flipped the script. On this team, they carry the momentum heading into game five. Yes, as you said, the home team has won every single game, so that would favor the Suns. But the Bucks have come down from an 0 2 deficit before and have done this before against the Nets, where they were down 0 2, the home game won every game until game seven, where the Bucks won. Could that be a repeat? Yes, but they hold the momentum because they now do this. We saw this with the Clippers multiple times as well, being down 0 2. The momentum is now on the Bucks side. They're feeling good. And to me, I am just falling in love with Giannis Antetokounmpo. I mean, this guy is just well-spoken, is polite, is funny when he talks to the media afterwards. Uh, he is getting bigger and better and accustomed to these big moments that he is in right now. And that's why I like the Bucks. I like Chris Middleton stepping up as well. And Bobby Portis doing Bobby Portis-like things. So that's what I have it. Luca has Suns and what? Seven. And I've got Bucks and six. So there we go. Luca, the home run derby happened. Pete Alonzo won. I said Shohei was going to win. You said Shohei was going to win. Were you surprised that 
Shohei didn't even get out of the first round. I was I I was so surprised by that. That was I mean, even though it was close. He still should have done way better than that. He was so hyped up to go to the finals. I was thinking it was either going to be him or Alonzo, and obviously Alonzo won, but I feel like he should have done a lot better than what he did. I agree. I was surprised, but I think a lot of it was nerves too, going first and having all this pressure on him as well. But I still think it was a great performance between him and Juan Soto. So Luca. Pete Alonso was dancing all over the place, thinking he was cool, saying he was cool, and saying he's the best power hitter in the game. Do you think he'll probably do it again next year? Do you think he'll win three in a row? Um, It depends if Tatis wants to play it or not. Because I saw that Tatis had like a 116-mile exit velocity on one of his hits, mm-hmm. and the highest person there only had 109 I saw. So I feel like if Tatis would have played the home run derby, he would have probably, or it would have been really close between him and Alonzo. But I don't think he'll win it again next year. All right. The AL won the All-Star game. Luca said the NL was going to win. Luca was wrong on that. I was right about the AL, and the AL are just feeling it. So then the All-Star break is done. The All-Star games are done. Oh, and then one more quick question. The MLB Celebrity All-Star Softball game was on, too. Your boy DK didn't look too good. You want to speak to that and why he stinks at baseball? <laughs> I don't think he sucks. It's just he kind of wanted to hit an actual home run because they cut it down in half. Yep. I think he was just trying to hit an actual home run. He was hitting so hard he was doing twirls in the home plate. But I don't think... He fully tried. I think he was just trying to hit a bomb. So, yeah. All right. Yep, he should stick to football. But I can now say that JoJo Siwa is better than him at well, baseball. She played, I thought I heard she like played softball. I think she, she did, yeah. And with the way they're, I mean, I don't think it's too hard to hit the ball because they just like did a super slow roll-up yeah. softball pitch. Except for that one actual softball player that came in and was going ham on all the people for an inning. That was crazy to see. All right. So, Luca, with the All-Star break being done, baseball is officially back. The first half of the season is done. There's only one game on tonight. Boston Red Sox plays the New York Yankees. New York Yankees are four and a half games back from a wild-card playoff spot. Boston Red Sox are number one in the division. Yankees haven't beat them so far this year. Do you have the Yankees winning this game or no? I think the Yankees will get their redemption after this all-star break and win by, like, one run. I think it will be very close. I think they're going to have to come back day-to-day right after the all-star break. I think it's going to be the Yankees. I agree. I like the Yankees as well since they haven't beat the Red Sox. So far, they are due. Domingo Hermans pitching against Eduardo Rodriguez. Should be a lot of runs, but yes, I like the Yankees in this matchup. And then finally, to wrap this up, is the Open Championship the last major of the golf season? My boy Phil Mickelson shot a worst 80 today, his worst in a major, but worst today, tied for 155th place. 
last place, plus 10. He is doing terrible. Uh, And I had a feeling. I woke up and I thought, Phil, don't think you're going to do it today. I think after the match and kind of a downer in the U.S., this is all just going to carry up to the Open. And sure enough, it did. Luca, I know you're not a big golfer. Do you have any predictions on who do you think might win this tournament with the first day being over or no? Uh, I don't even know who's playing in the Open because I don't follow golf at all. So I don't. I have no idea. It's all right, Luca. Louis Ustazen is leading it at minus six. I'm watching out for Louis because he has been runner-up in the last two majors, the Mass or the U.S. Open and the uh, PGA Championship. And I just feel like it's his time. hasn't won a major yet. He's feeling it. Jordan Spieth is back in the mix at minus five. Uh, it's only the first day, but you also have DJ down there, Brooks Kepka down there. DeChambeau lost his swing today as plus one. So tomorrow will be the real telling answer, but I think Louis Ustazen could likely win it and end his major drought. That's what I'm looking for. Talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody. See ya.